A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. So glad that you're joining us on the uh, program today. We're going to be talking with Holly Sullivan, head of the Connecticut Citizens Defense League, here in just a moment or two. Something very interesting is going on in Connecticut. Uh, So last year, Governor Ned Lamont and uh, a lot of other Democrats in the state of Connecticut really wanted to see some major new gun control initiatives, and they didn't get it. Uh, There was an omnibus crime bill that ultimately had almost every bit of gun control stripped out of it in the Democrat-controlled state legislature. Yeah. Uh, And we talked with Holly Sullivan about that at the time and the amazing effort on the part of grassroots gun owners across the state of Connecticut uh, to turn out testify against these uh, measures, explain why they would be so bad, not only from a a constitutional perspective, but from a public safety perspective as well. And they were successful. Well, Governor Ned Lamont didn't take that too well, apparently. Uh, He was up for election, re-election, last November. And during a debate just before Election Day, uh, he used the debate stage as a platform to call for an expansion of the state's ban on so-called assault weapons expanding the ban to include those firearms that are currently lawfully owned. Yeah, by hundreds of thousands of Connecticut residents. Uh, Well, let's say tens of thousands, uh, probably close to 200,000, if not more. Um, That idea floated by Governor Lamont kind of went over like a fart in church with uh, his fellow Democrats in the legislature. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't help but notice That when Governor Lamont gave his State of the State address to kick off the 2023 legislative session on Wednesday, there was no mention of his desired gun ban, which I found very interesting because this is the speech where the governor lays out his own legislative agenda. So the fact that it did not even get discussed, I thought was absolutely fascinating. And I want to dig in more with what's going on here in Connecticut, and I can think of no better person to talk to about it than Holly Sullivan. So without any further ado, take a look and a listen to our uh, conversation with the head of the Connecticut Citizens Defense League. Holly, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Happy New Year. It's good to see you. Happy New Year to you, too. Thanks for having me. All right. So I got to ask, am I reading too much into the fact that Ned Lamont didn't bring up his gun ban in his State of the State speech yesterday? Or or is this a sign you think that... Uh, Maybe Lamont is finally getting the message that that a lot of his fellow Democrats aren't interested in confiscating, uh, uh, you know, so-called assault weapons from Connecticut residents. So there are definitely members of his party who have spoken out against it. That being said, until we see him die and it's over, it's not over. Um, so you don't know what kind of pressures can be made throughout the legislative session. Um, so I would say that I am still cautious, even though it wasn't mentioned. Okay. Well, and and I think that's, I mean, listen, you know, he has mentioned this on multiple occasions. Uh, He has said, if I don't do it now, who will? Um, So I think you're absolutely right uh, to to still be concerned about this until the session is over. Um, I guess the next question then becomes, so why are there some Democrats who are speaking out against a gun ban? I mean, that's pretty shocking in and of itself. 
Yeah, so there are certainly members of the legislature that are still there today that were there when uh, Public Act 13-3 passed, which is the law that came post Sandy Hook here in Connecticut. And they remember, you know, those comments were made, those promises were made, you know, we're not going to come and take them. What you have is what you have. And the reality is um, the we have a new governor. But even at that, our attorney general, who I'm sure is supporting what Lamont is looking to do, he was one of those legislators back in the, in the House when this bill was passed. So, you know, I put zero uh, confidence in them that they won't work for it, but there are members of their party who were there at the time and are still there and don't think it's the right thing to do. That being said, we've got, you know, he's got a majority in the House and in the Senate and they can do what they want to do. They can. Um, and, you know, and so I guess that really becomes the question then, right? Do they want to do what Ned Lamont wants them to do or, uh, you know, are they going to risk a, a backlash? And I think, you know, last year uh, and I mentioned this in, in your introduction, uh, you all were able to remove almost every aspect of gun control from this omnibus crime bill. And I thought that was it was amazing uh, work on the part of CCDL and gun owners across the state of Connecticut. Do you think that that has had any sort of long standing change or impact on on the thinking of some lawmakers that, hey, you know what, we actually can address violent crime. We can even, you know, work with gun control groups like Connecticut Against Gun Violence, but it doesn't mean we have to try to criminalize a constitutional right. We can, you know, do things like gun violence prevention programs, things of that nature, instead of constantly going back and putting more gun control laws in place. I think there's a mix of both. I think there are folks out there in the legislature who just want to remove the guns um, and they really can't see the forest through the trees. They don't understand the rationale behind it. Um, the harsh reality is that crime has risen by 68% since this ban came into effect. So clearly it's not working. Very few crimes have been committed with rifles of any sort in the state since it passed. Um, so, I, you know, I think there's a, there's a bit of both. I think there are some folks who say, okay, maybe there's a better solution. Um, but I also think there are some that are just intent on removing the guns. And, um, you know, we, we, we worked our tails off last year. We will do it again. We will be there. And the arguments are there. Um, there are components of this bill that are openly racist. Um, when you talk about, you know, uh, the show your papers bill, which is essentially stop and frisk. Um, there are some very legitimate reasons why we were successful last year. Um, but again, at the end of the day, uh, do I trust this legislature? I sure don't. Yeah, and I think that's I think it's a very wise stance to adopt. Um, frankly, even if you're dealing with a Republican-controlled legislature, you know you, you can't just blindly trust politicians to do the right thing. But particularly when you've got an anti-gun majority, at least on paper, and it's important to note that that even some of those Democrats who said, "Well, you know, listen, we promised people that we wouldn't take their guns away," so I I don't know how I feel about uh, the governor's proposed gun ban. It's not like they're you know embracing their Second Amendment rights, right? They're saying, "Well." I'd rather focus on ghost guns or I'd want to uh, let's let's do something about, you know, large capacity magazines. It does seem like there is still very much an appetite for gun control, even if uh, some lawmakers aren't willing to go as far as Ned Lamont wants. I don't think there's really an end to the appetite in this state. I really don't. No matter what we do, um, we were the very first uh, state to ever have red flag laws. We've had them since the 1990s. No state has done it longer than us. Um, they got rid of the due process element. They say it's still there. It certainly certainly is not. I see it all the time. Um, you know, 
it never ends. And I think that's really important for folks that are listening that are not in Connecticut to remember um, when you see even an inkling in their in your state and there is in every state. Um, there is an appetite for it. And I can tell you from experience that it only grows. It it will continue. And it, it doesn't matter if the data is there. It doesn't matter if they can't give significant examples. And it doesn't matter that the overwhelming vast majority of gun crimes in our state are committed by folks who are in illegal possession of those firearms. That does not matter to them. They are looking to take the guns as to, to no end. Um, I think for a lot of folks, um, it is endless. Um, and that's a shame because you can't have a rational discussion about what is working, what doesn't work, um, if the, the goal is not necessarily to fix it, but just to get rid of the guns. Well, that's the thing, right? And it goes back to, you know, that mindset. There are some folks who really are interested in public safety. They, they you know, that that's their, that's their priority, right? What can we do yeah. to reduce violent crime? And a lot of times they may settle on, well, let's go after the guns, but their, their intention is about crime. And then you've got the folks who just say, I don't like guns. Right. I think the second amendment is a curse. Uh, as uh, one New Jersey paper described it this week, I think your right to keep and bear arms is a societal wrong. Uh, and we need to do everything we can to eradicate gun ownership, right? There are those folks mm-hmm. that are absolutely driving, I think, the, uh, the the anti-gun movement in this country. And it's not about public safety. You're right. You know, you can live in the safest country or the safest state in, in the United States. Uh, and these folks are still clamoring for the same type of laws that we're seeing in Connecticut. And ironically, Holly, I mean, you talked about the rise in crime uh, over the past decade or so in Connecticut. You know, we've seen this all around the country. Gun control advocates use their own failures as an excuse or a reason to push for even more laws, right? Like, well, what we did last time didn't go far enough. Uh, clearly, if the crime rate still rises, so now we got to crack down even further. That's exactly what's happening here. So no matter what it is that they're really talking about, we already have red flag laws. We already have a prohibition on ghost guns. We already have, you know, an assault weapon ban. We already have almost everything. It's just how can we take it farther? Um, you know, and then there's also things that are new. Um, they're looking to, the, in, at least in last year's bill, we haven't seen uh, language in a bill yet this year, but last year they were looking to put basically an endless uh, restriction on gun dealerships. Um, they, they were going to get a, a state permit to do business as an FFL in the state above and beyond any ATF or federal requirements. And they left it so open-ended that the commissioner could simply say, and, and whatever other requirements they see fit. So you could have a mom and pop shop that has worked 30, 40 years, and they can't pass it on to their child, or they can't sell their business and relocate and retire because the state put essentially in the language that existed last year, an endless um, uh, basically allowance for the state to go in and restrict gun stores. Um, so not only is it just the guns themselves, but they're certainly going after our FFLs. And it's very, very important that we protect them because that's you know how not only they're honest working men and women, and they have every right to run their business. Um, you know, they're already abiding by the law. Um, so it's important that we look out for the guns and we look out for our FFLs. Absolutely. Um, now, listen, you know, operating in Connecticut, uh, we've already talked about the, you know, the, the struggles that uh, you all face in the legislature. But uh, thankfully, you also have the court system. Right. And CCDL has uh, been very active over the past couple of years, uh, initiating lawsuits when, you know, the rights of residents have been trampled on, um, including, by the way, a lawsuit challenging the state's current ban on so-called assault weapons, which may be one of the reasons why uh, Governor Ned Lamont 
uh, has his backup right now. Right. Um, where is it? Where is that lawsuit right now? What's the latest status on on the challenge to the state's gun ban? So uh, we currently have a case filed. I can't speak to it too much. I have to be a little bit cautious because it is uh, padding litigation. Um, but, you know, it is uh, it's sitting. It's it's waiting for the next step in the judicial process. Um, this is a long process and, you know, we shall see. So it did get assigned to a new judge and we're waiting to see where that goes. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's while and what a lot of folks I read this on online all the time. You go on social media and they just say, well, the court, you know, somebody will comment, the court will strike it down. But what they don't understand is that it costs us a million dollars to get it to the Supreme Court, right? And that's important to remember, not just in Connecticut, but in all of your states, right? So, and a lot of folks don't understand how the court system works in the country just because something has been allowed in maybe the Ninth Circuit or, you know, the Fifth Circuit. It's not here in the Third Circuit, right? So right. our laws are essentially different. We don't have the same rights as maybe some other state or some other district of states. Um, so it costs a tremendous amount of money. So the right place to fix it is in the legislature. Um, get involved now. Don't wait for the law to be passed and hope that we can fix it in the court system because it costs an insane amount of money and it takes years to do it. The time to get involved is when your state 2A group says we need your help. We need you to show up. We need you to give testimony. We need you to stand and wrap around the building. Please take a day off of work. Is it worth it? You know, uh, is your Second Amendment right worth it? Because while we will face it in court, it is not easy and it is not inexpensive and it, it takes a tremendous amount of effort to get there. And there are sacrifices that that group has to make along the way to make that possible. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, you're absolutely right. I have always said it is better to, to defeat a bad bill uh, than to try to overturn a bad law. You know, it is. And you're absolutely right about that. And again, even in states like Connecticut, where people might think, oh, you know, the legislature is a lost cause. You all are living proof that that's not the case, that with activism, with engagement and with involvement, you really can do, you know, some amazing things. Uh, I, I, I don't want to say you could do the impossible, but you can do what a lot of people thought uh, it, you know, or think is impossible. We saw that just last year in Connecticut. So, again, I, I, I think that what CCDL is doing and what you are doing um, really should be a you know, a beacon uh, and a, a guidepost for, you know, uh, Second Amendment advocates all around the country. To that end, um, I, I want to let folks know, because, you, you know, you talk about the money that it costs to fund these lawsuits. You have a uh, an anniversary dinner coming up, right? We and I'm, I'm guessing that some of the funds raised here might go towards these legal efforts. The 14th anniversary of CCDL? It is, yes. So that's on February 18th in Watertown, Connecticut. Um, it's a, it's a uh, Grand Oak Villa. Um, and you can buy the tickets right on our website, ccdl.us. Um, and absolutely, that's where that's why we raise you know, money is to do all of our outreach programs, all of our educational programs. And then sometimes, you know, the funds have to go to, to litigation. Um, so we all do the very best that we can. And we're very excited to have our 14th anniversary dinner next month. So. Well, listen, we're going to be uh, staying in touch throughout this legislative session because I know it's going to be busy up there in Connecticut. But, uh, Holly, again, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. Best of luck to you and every Connecticut gun owner in 2023. And uh, I know we'll be talking again very soon. Very much appreciate Holly joining us on the program as well as all of her work in support of our right to keep and bear arms there in Connecticut. Uh, now let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story. Our good deed of the day and our recidivist report, we will start there with a, a story out of Chicago. The uh, website CWB Chicago reporting 
on the uh, Cook County man who received a three-year sentence for three burglaries as well as arson. Yeah, that is a, a heck of a deal. Uh, a very nice plea deal, as the website uh, describes it. Uh, they report that in exchange for pleading guilty to three burglaries and one charge of arson, uh, Timothy Barfield got sentenced to three years in each count. But Judge Adrian Davis ordered these sentences to run concurrently, meaning that he only has to do three years. And actually, given the good behavior qualifications uh, in Ohio, or excuse me, in Illinois, uh, Mr. Barfield is not going to be spending three years in prison. Maybe a year and a half, if if we're lucky. Uh, August 27th, 2021, Barfield was out of bond when he allegedly crashed a stolen Cadillac Escalade through a parking garage gate in the Loop part of Chicago and then set the vehicle on fire in front of the Chicago Theater. Uh, after nearly running over a 42-year-old parking garage security guard while driving through the gate, Barfield then pulled the stolen SUV into a median, poured liquid on it, set it on fire, and then ran into a nearby Red Line station. Police found him uh, there at the station, allegedly smelling like, uh, you know, he had just set something on fire. Uh, the Cadillac, by the way, allegedly stolen from a dealership in the northern suburbs of Chicago. But prosecutors dropped stolen motor vehicle, aggravated assault, and other charges against Barfield in exchange, again, for that agreement. Uh, according to CWB Chicago, Barfield arrived at the Stateville Correction Old Center on uh, December 20th with credit spent for time in jail and a 50% sentence reduction for good behavior. He will be released from prison on May 18th. Did I say 18 months? Man, I was optimistic. More like five from a three-year prison sentence. How about that? Meanwhile, of course, Illinois lawmakers are looking at uh, criminalizing your right to keep and bear arms, right? They want to pass this ban on so-called assault weapons. And if you did not uh, register your firearms with the state within 300 days of this law's passage, you would actually be eligible for more prison time than Mr. Barfield was, amazingly enough, simply for keeping possession of your lawfully owned firearm and uh, not registering it with the state as they demand. Today's armed citizen story from Central Texas, where a uh, homeowner shot a home intruder, one who apparently was known to him, uh, according to the uh, local sheriff there in Bosque County, Texas. Uh, the uh, incident happened uh, January 3rd, just before seven o'clock in the evening. Bosque County Sheriff's Office deputies responded to a call from a resident uh, out in the uh, rural part of the uh, county. Uh, regarding an attempted burglary, the homeowner said, I had to shoot the guy. Uh, deputies who arrived at the residence found a man lying on the sidewalk in front of the home with the homeowner holding the suspect at gunpoint. Uh, the homeowner put down his firearm. Deputies rendered first aid to the suspect, who was suffering from a gunshot wound in the upper region of his right leg. The uh, homeowner told deputies that the intruder had actually rammed his vehicle through a locked gate in order to get onto the property. And then he went up to the uh, resident's front door and, uh, quote, aggressively... Uh, tried to break into the home. Sheriff says uh, evidence of the scene supports the homeowner's statement, uh, saying, quote, the intruder was transported by ambulance to Hillcrest ER, where he was treated for the gunshot wound and released. Uh, once released medically, deputies took the suspect into custody. Uh, again, the sheriff says that uh, this was not a random burglary attempt. The parties were known to each other. But for whatever reason, the uh, party who was shot decided to uh, invade the other's home rather than... Um, I don't know, keeping their confrontation confined to the telephone or uh, email or text. Uh, finally, today, our good deed of the day in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. A sailor in Virginia 
who uh, braved some cold water in order to save a woman who couldn't swim near the uh, Norfolk area. This is the uh, sailor in question uh, receiving some accolades. Buddy Varnador uh, didn't realize that the water in Fisherman's Cove would be quite as cold as it was uh, back in November when he jumped in to save a woman who had uh, fallen in. He said, uh, meet a bunch of guys were out fishing. I heard a big splash, looked to my right, heard someone calling for help, so I took off. Um, one witness says the uh, woman had been exercising and then fell in the water, but she was not able to swim. Uh, John Kirsch was fishing with Varnador that day, said his friend didn't hesitate to uh, leap to the woman's aid when uh, he saw that someone was in trouble. Kirsch said, uh, quote, buddy's like Superman taking part of his clothes off to jump in the water. He said it was like 80 degrees at lunchtime, but the water was hyper cold, so it shocked Buddy. He got to where he was kind of able to move her along the quay wall. Um, as people who are drowning sometimes do, she ended up pulling Buddy down under the water at one point. Uh, he was ultimately able to get her up to the wall and up on a ladder. Uh, barnacles there uh, cut up his feet uh, while he was doing that, but uh, he said, that's all right. He said, you don't know how heavy somebody is until they're leaning on you like that. Uh, Kirsch said uh, two others who were there helped with medical assistance, gathered medical equipment to keep the uh, injured woman alive until the ambulance came. She was taken to a local hospital, did survive and recover. And uh, John Kirsch says it was his friend Buddy's quick efforts that saved her life. Uh, sounds like that very much was the case. So in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to save the life of a stranger. Buddy Vanador with the U.S. Navy, we thank you very much for your very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Barry and Arms Cam and Company, but I would encourage you to check out BarryandArms.com, the website, throughout the day. We're keeping you up to date on everything you need to know when it comes to your right to keep and bear arms, the success stories, the uh, impending threats that are underway, court fights, state house, legal, uh, legislative battles, regulatory efforts, all of it, we got you covered. Uh, if you like what you see, I'd also encourage you to become a VIP member or perhaps even a VIP gold member. At Barry and Arms, all you have to do, go to barryandarms.com slash subscribe, use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. Not only will you be supporting the independent pro segment of journalism that we do at Barry and Arms, but you'll get the uh, warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you're getting stuff that nobody else gets. Uh, exclusive commentary and analysis only for our VIP members. It's our way of showing our thanks and support for uh, all of your support that you've shown us. All right. We will be back with another edition of Barry and Arms Cam and Company on Monday. Until then, be well, be safe and be free.